Employee of the Month. Here's your host, Katie Lazarus. Welcome to Employee of the Month. I'm your host, Katie Lazarus. And in this episode, I sat down with Rosie Perez, who's best known for being an actor and White Man Can't Jump and Do the Right Thing and so many others. She recently wrote a memoir called Handbook for an Unpredictable Life. And I cannot recommend it enough. The colon is how I survived Sister Renata and my crazy mother and still came out smiling with great hair. It's a really touching and beautiful and inspiring book. Also funny. We sat down and spoke about her turn as a choreographer in Living Color and how she put not only hip-hop on the map, but Brooklyn hip-hop on the map, and specifically Fort Greene and Clinton Hill hip-hop. Without further ado, our interview took place at Joe's Pub. Please enjoy. You've you've had so, you have had so many jobs because you have so many talents, and um, I wanted to start uh, at, when I started to know you, which is watching Soul Train, um, so that's what we did on Saturday nights before Silver Spoons and different strokes. Um, so I wanted to just show a really brief clip from Soul Train for those of you who had plans on Saturday nights. <laughs> this is the beautiful and talented Ms. Perez when she was very young uh, here, which just means yesterday. And I think we have a little video clip, Jason. I'm sure Rosie is snippet. thrilled that we're opening up her interview with this. <laughs> Thank you for bearing <laughs> exciting because that was an age where uh, I, I was home watching television so I'm, I'm very thrilled that, that you were out there moving um, one of the exciting things I thought was that that you just went out there and did it <laughs> like did you were you always a great dancer I imagine um, oh can you is it okay to talk into this sorry um, I wouldn't say I was a, the greatest dancer um, but I, I was having the most fun all the time. I was having a great, great time. And, um, yeah, I was a uh, biochem major out in college, going to college, and after the lab class, uh, we hit uh, Florentine Gardens um, because it was lady nights, free before 10. And And this is in, where in L.A.? This is in uh, Hollywood in in Los Angeles. And... um, yeah, so I was there, and, and a talent scout came up to me. I was just having fun. And, um, you know, I was dancing like that because I hadn't had sex yet, you know? <laughs> <laughs> Serious. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, when guys, like, walk into a club, you know, when, or, I mean, not a club, like in high school, they're like, hey, what's up? And you're like, you didn't have sex yet, you know? Yeah. Just, right. It's like that. Um, yeah, and so, uh, yeah, he asked if I would come on Soul Train, and I was like, for real? He's like, yeah, I was like, get the fuck out of here, oh my God, yay, yes. And, um, and I said, can my girlfriends come too? And he goes, I got to see how they look, and they dressed as um, trashy as I did, so he's like, yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and so we got on. I, w- I was also, I mean, even more impressed that you were putting yourself through college um, all on your own, at this time, um, and then d- dancing, although th- when I heard what you got paid, 
um, by Soul Train. Yeah. Um, it was a, a two-piece Kentucky Fried Chicken dinner with a biscuit. <laughs> that was the price. And everybody used to fight over the white meat. It was really funny. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. If you have, like, whatever you give us, we're like, okay, then let's fight over that. Let's compete over that. Yeah. Um, and from there, you got discovered um, to do, do the right thing. I was so thrilled. Um, you've spoken a lot about it, um, but that you were having a feminist moment yeah. and that that was how you got discovered. Yeah. Um, people thought you were showing off dancing, but... No, uh, uh, Spike Lee was having a book contest to see which black woman had the biggest ass. And um, it's true. And it was, it was my last day, actually, in Los Angeles. So we were out celebrating because I was going to go back to college because I, I just couldn't stand L.A., I just had to get out of there. I thought my like soul was sucking uh, just dry and and um and I kept I kept getting tired of everyone asking me, is something wrong? I go, no, nothing's fucking wrong. What's wrong? <laughs> you know, it's just like nothing. I'm just woke up. What the fuck? Leave me alone. And um so uh yeah. I don't do mornings. So uh um anyway. Um, yeah, he was having this buck contest, and I, I thought it was just so horrific, and these girls were doing it, and I was like, oh my gosh. And um, I had a pair of spandex pants, as I do today. Well, actually, these are ski pants. See, I'm older now, so I need a little bit more padding. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, and um, so I got up on a speaker, and, and I bent over, and I just was trying to ridicule it and, and um, telling the women, don't do it. And... Bouncers came to take me off the speaker, and I started crying. I'm sorry. <laughs> and um, they brought this little skinny man over, and he said, "What's up, Spike? Tonight's fate." And I was like, "You wish." <laughs> and uh, he said, "No, seriously. Said, I'm serious." So, and he asked me to be and do the right thing. That that movie, I, I watched it last week, and it still holds up. I mean, it, it does, it's sadly, <laughs> it still yeah. holds up so so well. Do you know what I mean? It, it's so mm -hmm. meaningful today, and um, which that's the sad part. But the beauty is is that movie is is really um, poignant, particularly yeah. right now. And if Taylor's still here, I I had to He's audition here. for Do the Right Thing. I had to, but it was weird because I had to, um, I don't write that in my book though. I, I had to go over to the casting director's house because it was so last minute. And, um, and I had, it was, I didn't, I was like, oh, is this how it's done? Is that's why they call it the casting couch? You go over to someone's yeah. house, you know, to audition. Um, thank God it was a woman, but then again, you know. And um, <laughs> I was told I wasn't fuckable enough yeah. by a woman at the comic strip. Really? When I was performing, yeah. People always think it's a guy, and I'm like, no, it was your aunt. Yeah, but it was a woman. <laughs> <laughs> <That's funny. laughs> but so you went over to, to this person's house to audition because it was right before the movie was going to shoot? Yeah, her name is Robbie Reed, and we became friends afterwards, yeah. One of my, one of my relatives had sex with her younger brother, too, after that. Before so, yeah. or after you got the part? After. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Um, the other thing I was so thrilled about, I think, from growing up in D.C., we had go-go music, but you put hip-hop, and particularly Brooklyn hip-hop, on the, the map when you went to In, Loving, in Living Color. I just said In Loving Color. Yeah. Um, as a choreographer, I mean, it's, it's bananas to me. That show is a phenomenal show. Did, did anyone catch In Loving, in Living Color, which I keep calling In Loving Color? 
but you were handpicking people in clubs and bringing yeah. them. You know, I never thought of it like that till um, recently, till Twitter. So it's, you know, I never thought I was bringing a certain style to Middle America. I did understand that I was bringing hip hop to Middle America, but I was, I, it was definitely a certain style that I was bringing. And um, each region has, its, you know, Philadelphia has its own. Yes. I'm sure within New York there are different ones, um, you know, even within here, but you brought Brooklyn hip hop yes. there. Yes. I, I brought Brooklyn hip hop. I, I brought, to be specific, I brought Fort Green Brooklyn, and um, I'm, I'm dead serious. Fort Green Brooklyn, um, East New York, like around the, em- the beginning of it, Empire Boulevard area, and uh, a little bit of Bushwick. And this was because you were dancing in the club, so you knew which clubs to go to, or did you yeah. already know which dancers that you were like, oh, let's put those moves up on stage? Because you were the choreographer. Yeah, I was, I was, I was a choreographer, but um, I lived in the clubs just for fun. Um, and so I was part of that. And, um, and everybody knew, that going back to am I a good dancer or not, you know, you know, when they would create a circle when I was younger and everything, I would be too shy. And, and one day, I, 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 someone pushed me out there, and I started dancing, and I thought they were going to just laugh at me, and everybody was cheering me on. And I remember stepping back, and I was like, oh, my God, I'm so fucking cool. <laughs> and then uh, this girl goes, says to me, she goes, oh, I love watching you dance, Rosie. I go, yeah. She goes, yeah, you're not good, but you know, like, the way you do it is, like... <laughs> Makes me happy. And I was like, bitch. Oh. <laughs> Kill my moment. <laughs> Shit. Yeah. So um, <laughs> I actually picked that girl to be in a video, too. She was a great dancer. Is, um, But yeah, but I just, I just had that kind of mind. You know, I just, I saw how things fit together. And I, when I got the opportunity, which was at Soul Train, to choreograph the first time. That was the first time it was at Soul Train. Yes, yeah, so a record okay. company executive came and brought a different act there. And he saw me dancing off camera and I was doing hip hop, which Don didn't particularly like at the time. And because um, it was un- unfeminine? It, it wasn't sexy. I see. What's the, what, what is, okay, same thing. There's a difference because yeah, guys sorry. dance sexy too, you know, when they go like that, you know. So. <laughs> Joking. <laughs> Not really. So, but. Um, <laughs> I was yeah. trying. <laughs> but um, yeah, he said, he said, oh, would you teach that to my uh, new artist? He's going solo, but don't tell anybody who it is. And I said, okay, who is it? He said, it's Bobby Brown. And I was like, oh my fucking God, yeah. <laughs> and I was like, I'm not a choreographer. He said, I'll pay you, uh, I, I think it was 1600 or $1,200. I go, I'll be there Monday. <laughs> and I just, you know, I knew dance, because in New York, the great thing about New York at that time Nobody was dictating to us how to be, how to dress, how to dance. Um, it was pre-OMTV raps. And so when, it's almost like kids, when kids go out to play in the streets, you create hot peas and butter, red light, green light, one, two, three. You create your own fun and you create a certain path that, you know, other people, you don't realize other people are going to walk down on. And that was the same thing with the hip-hop movement in New York City and the house movement. We're just in clubs. And so everybody got tired of battling, especially by yourself, because that was breakdancing. Right. And so hip-hop was a, a, a community. It was a group thing. It was a pairing. Um, and so when you would battle, you would battle with your group, and you would learn, and you would 
create your own choreography. You weren't getting paid. You weren't on stage, you know. Um, you know, but you were paid and you created your stage in your, in, in your own way. And then when someone said, I'm going to offer you real money, I was like, oh, yeah. You know, and I didn't really know what I was doing. I just kind of made it up. Well, I mean, you ended up creating, I think, the, the I mean, it was the hardest working part, I imagine, but it was of this beautiful show. I mean, these the Fly Girls, the whole thing was so new that it had never existed before you did that. Um, that's not a question. It's just a long-winded statement to say I love the show. Um, <laughs> but I did want to ask your job. You know, when you say choreographer, it sounds like you would just instruct the dancers how to dance. You did everything from music licensing to uh, picking the dancers. The, the picking the dancers... I came up with the idea of putting recording acts at the ending credits. I had to, so therefore, then I had to book them, um, do license clearance with music. I would uh, help edit the music for the 28-second spots, um, help uh, edit the dance numbers, and then eventually, Keenum, you know, you know, I kept complaining, and he's like, stop complaining. Okay, now you're the director of the dance segments because you're complaining, you're pissing everybody off. And I was like, oh, okay. Yay. And then, you know, and so, but it was, it was a lot of work. It was a lot of work. I was there 12, 14 hours a day. It was exhausting, but I, I, I loved it, but it was, it was really hard. And none of them were um, hip-hop dancers. They were all professional dancers, and you had to teach them hip-hop. I thought that was... Yeah, that was painstaking. That was, that was, that was, that was tough. But those girls, they were, they were workhorses. They were real... I, I appreciated their work ethic, you know... Because like, when you hire dancers from the club, you're like, be here at 10. And then they trickle in like at 11.30. And you're like, oh, man. You know, and, and when the fly girls, I was like, be here at 9. And then they're at 9. I was like, oh. How did you negotiate all the personalities? I mean, above you, below you? I didn't. I didn't. I just did my thing. I did my yeah. job. I didn't, you know, I, you know, um... I've, I've worked since I was uh, in elementary school. I was working. Um, so I kind of had a, a certain work that, okay, I'm going to work. I'm going to do my job. Oh, hi. How you doing? Okay. Yeah, yeah. And it's kind of like that. So um, I don't know. I just fell into the groove. It, 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 I, didn't, I didn't feel the necessity to negotiate anybody's personality. Maybe that was a bad thing. I don't know. But... Um, <laughs> It worked for me, you know, and, uh, you know, I don't know. I just, I just, when you're crew, you just do your job. You know what I mean? Just do your job. I kind of do. It's just, it, when you read about all these different personalities later, and I, I don't know, it, seem, it seems like a, it is a skill in and of itself to be able to um, politely manage people's egos as well as one's own. Yeah, I mean, you know, it, if, 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 you know, I, I think... Th my friend Chris is here. You told me there was a TV series about crew, the crew behind the camera crew. I don't know. As it's, um, if they were to tell the real story of what crew thinks about talent, it would be hilarious. Right. You know, the way you would talk, like you'd be, <laughs> you'd be on, on tour and, you know, you have, to, you have to roll in at 4 a.m. and the show doesn't go on till, if they're the headliner, till 10 p.m. and you know, you're barely sleeping and you're always on time and then you're waiting for the talent and they're taking their time and you're like, this fucking bitch, man. Right? Here she comes, here she comes. Hi, how you doing? 
great today. You're going to kill it. You know? Right. <laughs> and then they go on stage and you're like, they suck. You know? <laughs> and it, and it's, it is, it's, it's weird. It's really, really weird. And the, and the, the amount of abuse you have to swallow. Yes. As, as, <laughs> I know. I've been a PA. <laughs> yeah, it's tough. It was, it, was, it, was, it was tough, but it was also... Um, it was also good because um, I learned not to take anything too personally. And I learned to kind of just show up, shut up, and just do the work. You know? I want to segue to talking about your book because you're such a um, thoughtful writer. And I, I, oh, thank you. You know, you, you've had an incredibly um, difficult life. And, and um, I don't want to give too much away because people can get the book. But I, I, do, I just wanted to ask you... How, how you dealt with self-sabotage, um, how you were able to overcome not giving yourself a chance. Mm. How, over, how I overcame self-sabotage? Yeah, But, you know, just to give a little background of the book, I, um, I, I kept my secret close, not because I was ashamed of my upbringing or my past, but um, because I had such a difficult upbringing past, I understood how cruel the world can be. And I, I understood how judgmental the world could be. So I never shared with, the, uh, with people that my mother was mentally ill and she put me in a home for abandoned, orphaned, and displaced children for no reason when my father's Sister was taking that. care of me. Yeah. Who loved you dearly. It loved me dearly. And going through that as a child for so long, it was a very long period um, of abuse, um, I just felt like um, I don't belong here. And not in a conceited way, but a knowing way of, of, of listening to your spirit, your God, whatever you want to call it, um, saying, I'm, I'm special and I don't deserve these. And I can't do anything about this right now except prepare for life when I get out. That's all I thought about. And so when you have that mindset, you just keep moving forward. And every time the, a pitfall occurs, you're like, all right, that sucked. I'm going to cry. I'm going to keep moving forward tomorrow. And that's kind of how I did it. And, and then it got, I thought I had, by doing that, just by continuing moving, I thought I had risen above all those issues that, you know, had plagued me as a child because you become very, very angry. And, um, and if just any parents out here, whatever you do in front of your kid, they know exactly what you're doing, especially if it's abusive. They know exactly what, what you're doing. And... Um, so it was hard, so I was very angry as a child, even though I was hilarious, charming, and sweet. Um, I was also, and noble. And, and noble. noble, yes. And I was, I was also very angry. Um, and I didn't realize that that, was, that carried over into my adult life. And I didn't realize that I would hurt certain relationships because I was, although I was self-sufficient, professional, mature, I wasn't emotionally mature. And my responses at times were like horrific. <laughs> and I write about them that, and it would depress me. It wasn't that I was clueless. I, as soon as it would happen, I'll go, why did I do that? 
and I couldn't control it. And and I went back to that place of knowing that I was special. And so what happened was is that I just was like, I am sabotaging myself. I'm not being as special as I know I can be and what I how I need to be. So let me go get help because I'm better than this. And that's what I did. And and I went and I went help. And oh my God, my first day at, at a therapist's office was hilarious. I walked there and said, Hi, I don't need this. My husband told me to come. Oh my God. And, and she goes, Are you okay? I went, fine. I'm fine. Oh my God. Oh my God. Oh my God. And she was like, Do you want to talk about it? I go, no, I'm Puerto Rican. We don't do this. Oh my God. Oh my God. That lasted for a fucking hour. Oh, it did. Like of all the things that I said, I probably made like one complete sentence, you know? And uh, and 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 there was like this pile of snot tissues like on on the side table. And I was, and she goes, Well, I, you know, this is the, this was good. And I go, thank you. Um, it's not me, though, but this was great. Thank you. And she goes, I'm going to put you down for next week. I go, okay, what time? <laughs> and uh, she goes, tomorrow, actually. I go, I'm that bad. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she'll, she put me down five nights a week for like about <laughs> like months. One time I saw a psychoanalyst every day and he made me come at seven in the morning was so I was working in foster care and it was like 200 bucks a session and after two weeks he waited two weeks to be like I can't hear a word you're saying <laughs> that's so obnoxious I was like that was really creepy but it therapy was so ultimately helpful when you find the right therapist <laughs> you know and I had uh, post-traumatic stress disorder as well so I was so grateful your writing is so eloquent and and beautiful uh, in showing the same person who is an asshole is also um, someone you love dearly you are you are able to show the nuances in human behavior and how fucked up and flawed and loving we all are oh thank you that was the most complimentary remark of me being an asshole ever <laughs> Really nice. <laughs> love yourself first. Love yourself first, and then you can love others. That's what. Yeah, I Yeah, and it's true. You know, right? Like, like, right, Chris. I'm always going. God, I'm a fucking asshole. <laughs> I hate it. You know, I just say, like, I, I, I'm so much better now, and life is so much better. It's so good, and I didn't understand why I was writing the book, and you know, because I was very reluctant uh, when they came to me and stuff. And um, who came to you? Uh, David Kuhn. Book agent. Really? Yeah. Can you send them over to some other people here? <laughs> but, you know, as I was writing, I was like, oh, this is it. Like, because while I was writing it, I had no intentions of sharing with the world that I did have PTSD. It just, everything just kind of flowed. Everything just came out. And I just ran with it. Um, and I felt that if I'm going to do this, I'm going to do it, and I'm going to be a, as honest as possible and as real as possible. And that was standing up and saying, yeah, I had issues, and I addressed them, and, and life is so much better. And, man, if anyone got issues out there and you're thinking, oh, buy the book, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> it's like, 
You know, but seriously, because life is good. I've always enjoyed life. Isn't that weird? Do you get that from the book? I, I've, I've been telling you, it's a really um, perfect picture of how imperfect life is, and it's wonderful. I, I wanted to, to um, encourage people to to get it after. I did also love how much you loved being in White Man Can't Jump, and there was just one uh-uh. quote from it that I wanted to show because I think it sums up relationships so well. Um, <laughs> the part where you're thirsty... Oh yeah, we couldn't. I couldn't get the video. They had Russian dubbing over it, and it was very hard to hear. The illegal download, but but <laughs> then I tried to rent it on iTunes, and it went away. So, but I love this whole thing about see if I'm thirsty. Will you read that, and I'll read. I can read Woody. <laughs> can you see it or no? The glass is too hard. Is it too hard to read? Don't worry about it. Oh, oh, okay. See if I'm thirsty. Oh, it's too hard. We're old. See, if, see if I'm thirsty. I don't want you to bring me a glass of water. I want you to sympathize. I want you to say, Gloria, I too know how it feels to be thirsty. I too have had dry mouth. (laughs) It was supposed to be dry. Uh Oh, I want you to connect with me through sharing and understanding the concept of dry mouthedness. When I say I'm thirsty, that means if anyone in the room has a glass of water, I'd love to have a sip. I feel like that sums up very accurately. Thank you. That's so funny. That's it. That was so hard to do because to keep a straight face in that scene was so difficult. And plus, my tick kept slipping out. <laughs> like the, 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 the throwback jersey that of his that I was wearing. It was, yeah, that it just, it was so funny. And sometimes Woody's like looking and then he'll see the boob. And I, and I would know, I go, my tits out. And he goes, is it? And I go, I saw you look. <laughs> <laughs> I would love everyone to to please get this book. I'm saying that because I read it and I loved it, and, and I mean that from the bottom of my heart. Thank you so much for coming. This was a, just a joy. Oh, and I got you. Um, I got you from. I got you two things. You love dogs, and I have a dog, so I got you this thing, this lint remover, because I know you get really free. And I also got you some chocolate covered matzah from from my culture to yours. So I wanted to to thank you very very much, Rosie. That's it for this episode of Employee of the Month. Thank you to Ian Mazoff and thanks to all of you for listening. Go to employeeofthemonthshow.com. Get on the mailing list so you can find out about discounts for our future live tapings. The next one is June 26th at Joe's Pub. And subscribe on iTunes. You can also go online to figure out ways to get involved because we'd love to hear from you. Thank you for all of your comments and feedback. Thank you. I'll talk to you soon. Bye.